0: Go with me to the book of Luke. I'm going to pick up where I left off on last week. Um, so this week I am in the middle of a message um, that we didn't get a chance to finish. So if you were not here on last week, um, get, download the podcast. You can go to YouTube and watch last week's sermon. I want to encourage you to do that to kind of get you caught up. So today... I'm going to be brief, succinct, to the point, just want to share um, five things that I didn't get a chance to cover. I'll review a little bit to kind of get us caught up so we can get to where God would have us to go. So let us pray, and then we'll talk to the big idea on the screen and just kind of review a little bit and share so that God could move and have his way. Holy Spirit, thank you for you. Felix dies once again, Lord, and invite you to take residence on the throne of my life. So, Holy Spirit, as we share this morning, God, like the worship team just sang so eloquently, you are welcome here. And so, but more importantly, not only are you welcome, teach us to submit and teach us to surrender to you. So, we give you praise, we give you honor, and we give you glory, God. So, bring to remembrance the things that have been deposited. Let me speak with clarity. Let me speak with soundness of mind, Lord, so we can be about the Father's business. So we worship you, we adore you, we give you praise, honor, and glory. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen and amen, amen. As they um, put the big idea on the screen, we're in a series that we're calling Impact, and we're going to be here for pretty much all of summer. Here's the thing I want us to really take away from here, and I need you to get that phrase, uh, that sentence in your spirit as we kind of talk about it. And that is, as believers in Christ, we are anointed by God for the primary purpose of having ministry impact in our community. I'll say it one more time. As believers in Christ, we are anointed by God for the primary purpose of having ministry impact in our community. Um, Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor. You have been anointed for impact. Turn to your other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. You need, morning, you need to know this morning, you have been anointed for impact. For impact. Amen. Good. Now, I'm just going to talk to you all this morning, because I, I, I want you to get some of the things that we're going to share. Um, my, my challenge with, with Christianity, well, not Christianity, I guess I'll use the term church for so long. We have so messed up that word anointing and anointed that uh, we hear it, it scares us, it gets spooky, we think all kinds of crazy stuff is associated with it, but hopefully I'll be able to bring some clarity to that this morning as we kind of talk through to get, allow God to have His way. Now, can you all put the first point on the screen? Uh, I'm just going to review just from that one thing um, that we kind of deal with last week. Now, here's what you need to know this morning. Every believer in Christ is anointed for a specific purpose. Purpose. Um, repeat after me. Say, every believer in Christ, believer in Christ is anointed, is anointed for, a for a specific purpose. Now, point to yourself and say, self, self. I am, I am anointed. anointed. Now, now here's what I want you all to go as I kind of walk into the message this morning. If you don't hear nothing else that I share with you uh, this morning, I want you to know that you are anointed. All right. Are you with me? Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm kind of passionate about the subject matter. So I'm trying to be, um, you know, self-controlled and disciplined and all that good stuff just to talk about it so I don't get too emotional about it. Um, You need to know you are anointed, okay? Uh, Because here's what we do. And then I'll read the text and then we'll review and talk and I'll say this again a little later on in the message. Man, that sure was anointed. Or um, that was an anointed song. Or anointed word, or you were under the anointing, or whatever the situation is, and we attach a specific instance in time, and more specifically, a specific act to anointing to affirm that we have been anointed, and we equate this person has been anointed. All right, you guys have heard that, right? Can we say amen? I want, I want us to think bigger than that, I want us to think broader than that, and I want us to walk out of here this morning seeing that every believer in Christ has been anointed. Amen? So, so last week we said a lot of crazy stuff that uh, we had a chance to work through on Wednesday, and thank you all for coming out and working through it with me. One of the things, and I'll say a little bit of that today because I think it's important for us to get this um, as we kind of move into the message, I'll repeat is that we saw Jesus being born in the earth realm in Luke chapter 2. We see him at eight days of age going to the temple to be dedicated or consecrated um, by Simeon and the prophetess Anna. We see God recognizing um, that that was his son because a prophet, Simeon, had been waiting for quite some time for Jesus to come on the scene. He goes on the scene... Jesus is dedicated in the temple. Anna and Simeon goes on to be with the Lord. And then the next account that we have in the book of Luke is that at the age of 12, we see him at the temple um, going to worship as was his custom. I'm going to say this term over and over again. Now, the thing that I, I, that I want you all to, to lock into what I said last week, and it's important um, to lay this foundation to say it again, is that from the time Jesus was 12 years old, and last week you read the scriptures, today we don't have time to read it, up until he was 30 years old, I need you to know that he wasn't laying silent, not doing anything. Are you with me? Here's what I want you all to know. He was actively involved in service. And I attach to that the temple worship, okay? He went to church every Sunday, Matter of fact, whenever it was Sabbath, Jesus would show up in church. And here's some of the crazy things that I said to you on last week is that he was in church and he was involved in the temple worship such that I, this is Felix now, I think he had leadership role in the church. Because when you read Luke chapter 2 and chapter 3, you'll find that even at the age of 12 onward, the text pointedly said that he grew in faith and statue and favor with God and with men. So, so, so even he might have been a little altar boy or something, but they'd give him opportunity to read Scripture, and just the way he would read it. I'm, I'm saying this. This is not in the text. They probably said, man, that boy is gifted. Very, very important for you to hear the words I'm using, okay? That boy, something special about him. Are you? Come on. I mean, matter of fact, at the age of 12, here he was, like I said last week, interacting with the scribes and Pharisees and talking Scripture. And, and I'm even led to believe that, that for those of us that grew up in church, that he probably led junior church if there was such a thing. Come on, (laughs) y'all, you know, um, because I think from time to time he brought the word, you know, because here's how they referred to him once he came out in public. They called him rabbi, and they didn't just start doing that when he went public. I think that name was attached to him because remember when he went public, they didn't like him, but they liked him prior to him going public. Okay? And then he goes and then he gets baptized by John the Baptist. But here's the, the crazy thing, probably the craziest thing I said to you Sunday, is that from the time he was born up until the age of 30, everything he did was absent anointing. He wasn't anointed to do those things, if I could use the term. Well, let me say it differently. He wasn't flowing under the anointing when he did those things okay? Now, I don't have time for us to wrestle with this, because some of y'all are saying, yeah, but he was God. You know, he was, you know, Christ incarnated, and you're doing all, you know I mean? Y'all going through all that stuff. But here's the thing that I said one day to try to clean it up a little bit. He was God, and he was man at the same time, but the God in him never interfered with the man in him, okay? And here's the other thing that I'm saying. I'm not saying to you that the God in him was not anointed, but I am saying the man Jesus, the fleshly vessel, the one that came to die, the one that was tempted, the one that was frail, that thing was not anointed up until a certain point in time. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay, listen, listen to Sunday's message and, and so we can get a chance to get it. So he gets baptized. Heaven opens up. And the Spirit of God comes and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He goes out in the wilderness to be tempted. Um, this is now under the anointing. And then he comes back after 40 days, right? And he shows up in the temple in the book of Luke. And then now he's saying, I'm fixing to do something. <laughs> let's use the grammar. All right? So let's read together. I want to preach, I mean teach, and I want to talk through this. Okay, so verse 14. Go to verse 14. We're going to read carefully, okay? Um, you guys are there? Verse 14 of Luke chapter 4, if you hadn't gone to Luke chapter 4 yet. And I want you to see um, what's going on here. Now, verse 14, and who returned? Okay. Now, this is going to mess you up. Not the Christ, but Jesus. You guys all right? If you're not all right, go like this. I don't get it, preacher. I want you all to get this. Because the Christ speaks to the anointed one or the God incarnated. The flesh's name was Jesus. You got me? So the man Jesus comes back, even though he's bearing something holy, but Jesus shows up. And notice what happens now. Jesus is in the power, the Greek word dunamis, or the ability of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went through all the surrounding countries, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. We We dealt with that last week. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And verse 17 said, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it has been written. And look at what he says now in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord, or Yahweh, or Elohim, is upon me because he has what? Anointed me. And um, to do what? To proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the um, captives, recovering of sight to blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the years of the Lord's favor. I'm back up to verse 18 once again. Now, notice what verse 18 says. The Spirit of the Lord is what? I need everybody to say that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, epi is the Greek word. Now, here's, here's what I said to you all last week. Jesus in his earthly ministry was operating under Old Testament, if I could use the word loosely, dispensation or Old Testament law. You guys are tracking with me? So in the Old Testament, the Spirit wasn't in. So this is the importance of you understanding the man Jesus, not the Christ. The man Jesus, the flesh, had no spirit, and then all of a sudden he gets baptized and something happened, and he says, just like it happened in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God just showed up and it rests on me, and the reason it rests on me is so I can do something. Now Old Testament theology, right? When the Spirit came in the Old Testament, He would land on you, He would empower you, and you'd be able to do something. So Jesus now is about to explain what's about to happen to Him. Now here's the reason that I want you all to track with me, very, very important in this. Prior to His baptism, He wasn't ready to go do anything yet. He was in preparation mode. Come on, say amen, okay? Now he's coming out, and he says, the Spirit now is upon me. Now, the reason I want to drive that point really, really, really quick is that you and I are existing in the New Testament era. Now, that's a, that's a good thing because we don't have to wait for the Spirit to come upon. At the point of our salvation, the Spirit is where? Come on, y'all. Come on, come on, come on. The Spirit is where? Very, 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 very important theological and a very basic statement that we misconstrue all the time, because here's what we do: when church gets good. Did you feel him? Shonda. And you know, our walk changed, and we' like, Spiritual all of a sudden. Come on, come on, y'all. Because in our perspective, God just showed up. And I'm struggling with that because if he's in me, the moment I, sh- I wish I had somebody. <laughs> so, so it's not, we, we, we have church today in the New Testament with an Old Testament framework. We act like God shows up in church every now and then, anoints the service, and go away. And here's a, girl, the spirit left, it's dead up in here. Where'd he go if he's? Yeah. Come on, y'all. And and this, you see, in the Old Testament, I could understand them shouting every now and then. In the New Testament, I kind of feel a shout never stops. I wish I had somebody in here because in the New Testament, it's a continual praise party because God exists permanently and he resides within us. So it's like, Every time you see me, hey, what's up, hey, 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 I see, it's like I got the Tourette's or something, God's always in me, and I can't control myself, so here's what, I've got a case, that I can't help it, because He's always talking to me, He's always saying something, He's always moving, He's always acting, because He is in, in, in. I wish I had somebody that can say in. Yeah, yeah, in. In, and because he's in me, I ain't going to look at baby face and baby face can't get in because God is in there. Are you with me? So Jesus says, now I need you all to know that for what I'm going to apply in a little while. So here's Old Testament. Jesus shows up, the man Jesus, and he's saying to his church, his turn to preach. The spirit is on, not in. Are you with me? Come on, say on, On. not in. Now watch the text. He is, verse 18, upon me because, and there's our word, he has, yeah, anointed. Here's what anointed means. It's the Greek word krio, and here's what it means. To set apart for a specific purpose with divine instructions. All it means. Set apart for a specific purpose with divine instructions. Anointing doesn't mean shout. Anointing doesn't mean wave your hand. Because you can wave your hand without anointing. You can shout. Come on, y'all, without anointing. Oh, come on, come on, y'all. I know this is messing up your ecclesiastical framework, but, but just walk with me for a little while. Um, I ain't speaking tongues without… because the Spirit is subject to the prophet, right? But so here's what anointed means. Set apart for a specific purpose with divine instructions. So here's what Jesus said. Now, illustrate as best as I can because I want you all to get this. Hey, you've been knowing me for 30 years, and I've been operating without anointing. So everything I've been doing, I've just been going through rote and routine until my coming out party. So so don't repeat this. Don't tell nobody I'm saying this because somebody's going to misconstrue what I'm saying. It's almost as if at the baptism, Jesus got saved. Don't repeat that, okay, because I want nobody to walk out of here with that. I'm just saying it's almost as if at the baptism, Jesus got saved because you know this, at your salvation, the Spirit… Right? Okay? He was already saved, so, so that's why John was wrestling with the baptism. John was saying, you mean you come to be baptized of me? I should be baptizing you. And Jesus said, I must do this because even though I am God, I'm walking around with this thing that's not God. And if I don't do this, folk that have this thing that I have is gonna fool themselves into thinking that they don't need it. So I'm gonna do it so I can be a model for them. Because every person in here has this thing, this flesh, this vessel that needs the presence of God in your life. So for 30 years, he does his thing in church without anointing. And then he comes now, and all of a sudden, he's anointed. Here's his message. The Spirit of the Lord has landed on me, and now he has set me apart for a specific purpose with divine instructions. Everybody with me? So, hey, guys, I know I've been a member here for 30 years, but, but I'm going to start me an outreach ministry. I have to go hang out with some broken folk. Some sick folks, some blind people, some captives, some people that are jacked up and messed up. Hold up, Jesus. We don't do that at this church. At our church, you got to be right to get up in here. Come on, y'all. We we don't do that kind of stuff. And Jesus looked over and says, that's why you don't have anointing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I want y'all to track with me. So here's what he says, "The Spirit has come upon me and he has set me apart for a specific task with divine instructions." Now here's what the point says on the screen. Can you, every believer in Christ has been set aside for a specific task with divine instructions, meaning that God, by virtue of the fact that God saved you, he has something unique that he created you to do. So here's how he says it in Jeremiah, "Before I knew you, I formed you in the womb." and watch the word anoint. And I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations so you are not an accident with God. When God puts you on the earth realm, he released you for a specific task with divine instructions. Now, here's what the Spirit of God does in our life. The reason folk could sing good without anointing Because all that is, is gifting. So I can use my gift all day long without anointing. Here's what anointing does. Gives me ability when the flesh stops. So anointed folk that couldn't hit a note, all of a sudden hitting the note. And here's what they said, man, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, you do. That's God. Because had it not been God, you'd have been cracking. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? That's why you got folk that can't sing well get up under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and God takes over the vocal cord, and God (laughs) sings through them. It's not them singing. It's God doing what God wants. I wish I had somebody in here. And, and it's no different than me, and it's no different than you. There have been so many times I get up here, and those of you that are on preaching rotation, you can identify that it's quite well. You have your mind prepared on what you want to say, what you want to do, and then God takes over. And you just want to stop and look at yourself like, what in the world? What in the world? That, that, that's not on my note. I didn't prepare that. I didn't see that. I didn't even see that when I was studying. That is what anointing does. Let me show you how anointing works in your life on the job. Folk that's working next to you that you can't stand, you can't put up with them, then all of a sudden you on your computer pecking away on your keyboard and something in you says, go talk to them. And right. right. you hold up. That's what anointing does. Set us apart for a specific task. Here's a divine instruction. God says, now go talk. Has nothing to do with a shout. Has nothing to do with a, 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 a movement. But has everything to do with God telling you what he created you to do. And you have an obligation now. You have choice. Do I obey or do I disobey? If you understand anointing, you will never disobey because God is always talking. So because we don't understand anointing, hey, I'm not in church, so God, you can't talk right now. I'm at work. And these folk ain't saved, so there's nothing spiritual here. So God, be quiet. You're not supposed to talk at work. You're in the middle of a movie watching stuff. You ain't got no business watching. And all of a sudden, you hear something. God, you see what's on the screen. And because he's in, anointing means he set you apart, and when he decides to give instructions, we have no control over, I wish I had somebody in here. Anointing means set apart, I'm going to sound like a broken record, for a specific purpose with divine instructions. And when God gets ready to use you, and he says, I need you to do this, this is why some of us in here, God will cause you to do some crazy stuff, and you say, hey, I hear what you're saying, but this is what God is saying to me. That's what anointing is all about, giving ear to the voice of God and being obedient to God when he speaks. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Are you guys getting this? Come on, are are you tracking with me? Are you getting this? Okay, so here's what Jesus says, I am anointed, I'm anointed, for five things, okay? And let's walk through them. Go to the next one. Go to the screen, real quick. Um, now, real quick primary purpose of being anointed by God is to have what? It's to have what? Let me be cautious with that because somebody's gonna mess up. The primary purpose is ministry impact, meaning that there's a secondary purpose, right? And that's where we come in when we come together as the body of Christ. So I am not saying that anointing is not for in the church, but I'm saying the dominant purpose for anointing is outside. Because out there is where we need him the most. And here, we can handle this. Oh, don't act like you can't. Yeah, but but it's out there where you've got to face the devil. Remember how his life started. The moment he got anointed, look at what God did. Took him and led him up in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. And he showed that the primary purpose of anointing is to encounter the forces of evil in the external world. So he's not disqualified from doing what God wants him to do. So he passed the test. The reason a lot of us can't be used yet is we can't make it past day one. Are you with me? So once you've been proven, you're good. Once you've been proven, you're good. So ministry impact. Say ministry impact. Ministry. Everybody say it again. Say ministry impact. Ministry. One more time. Say ministry impact. Ministry. Go to the next one. Okay, let's go here real quick. So I'm going to go through five things real quick. Number one, we are anointed, anointed to preach. How many King Jamians in here? If you got a King James you I think your Bible says preach, right? Come on, don't be afraid of it. It's okay. It's the Bible too, right? It says preach, right? Give me some other. Does anybody else's translation say Proclaim. Y'all can talk to me, it's okay. Yeah, okay, some, some mindset proclaim. I got the ESV. Anything other than preach and proclaim? Anybody got anything else out there? Belt it out, y'all, if you do. Okay, here. his, here what does yours say? No, he got his hand up. He, he, you ain't even read the thing yet, and you raise your hand. Yeah, <laughs> what's it say? I can't hear you. New King James, so it says preach? Okay, so why you raise your hand? No, I'm, I'm just. I'm, I like to mess with people. Put that back up on the screen, please. I translated the word proclaim when I look at the original language, and I like take. I like take. I'll tell you why. Preach implies bringing folk somewhere to hear a message. Come listen to our pastor preach. Come to worship with me. Come to my church. Preach implies assembling a group of people and making a public declaration of some sort. So I think preach is probably one of the worst ways we can translate that word. So here's what the Greek word... um, that says gospel is the word, you are galizzo," and hear what it means, to bring the good news. Okay, bring the good news. Okay, now watch this. If I were to say, hey, Patrick, bring me the book that's sitting next to him, what am I saying to him? If you're in Patrick's seat, you're going to say to him, take that book to pastor. Everybody okay with me? That's why I like the word take. That's why I like the word take. Because here's what Jesus is saying to them. The Spirit of God has set me aside for a specific purpose. He has sent me with divine instruction. And the instruction that he's giving me is to bring or take the good news to a specific group of people. You guys tracking with me? So here's how it looked in Jesus' life. While the scribes and the Pharisees were sitting up on the three chairs in the middle of the pulpit, I'm not messing with nobody, okay? And, and, and sitting up there with the matching ties and socks, looking over the congregation, feeling all important, okay? Here's Jesus, he's going out to baby face parties. I'm not saying nothing, but I just want y'all, you know, you kind of get what I'm saying, right? He's showing up at the wedding feast at Canaan, and he's showing up at funerals. Y'all not hearing me. And he's showing up at hospitals, and he's showing up at places where the work really is, because watch this, he has been set apart with divine instruction to take. I wish I had somebody in here, not to invite folks to come listen to the preacher preach, because he too realized he himself was a preacher. He had been trained in the church. Now he has an obligation to go somewhere, to go somewhere, to do something, to have impact. Because his anointing was not to come in the building and have good church. Ah, Jesus. Patrick, his anointing was to go on the golf course. And, and hit a hole in one. And how do you do that, Patrick? Man, I don't know, man. That's anointing, dude. Because I got talent. I couldn't do that to save my life. But when I hit that ball, something grabbed a hole of it. Y'all laughing. That's how God moves. Are you hearing me? Takes natural ability, talent, and attaches supremacy and divinity to it, and takes it beyond the norm. And the reason a lot of us aren't involved in ministry, because here's what you say, well, I'm not called to preach. Well, by golly, you're probably not called to preach, but there's something that you have that you are a 10 at that God has already given you that he's waiting for you to stand up so he can attach himself to the thing. I wish I had somebody in here to use you beyond measure. So, so number one... We've got to take, we've got to take, we've got to take, we've got to take, we've got to take. I, I say this all the time. I say it again. When I was in the corporate world at IBM, um, my friends, I never once, I don't think I ever once, now I think about it, invited any of those guys to church. I don't think I ever did. Um, at work, I knew I was there to imitate Christ. So whenever they would go through anything at work, And inevitably, my colleagues would come to me and they would say, Felix, what do you think about this? And it would open a door for me to preach. You kind of get this? To take the good news to them where they are. Now, notice who he was supposed to take this good news for. I'm going to walk through this because I want to be done quick. Take it to the who? The poor. Take it to who? I'm not going to be long on this. Here's what I want you all to understand about the poor. See, a lot of us, I think our missiology is jacked up. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Because we think the poor only lives under the bridges of Colfax. And, and don't think poor simply in the framework of economical or financial or you kind of get what I'm saying. The poor, if you were to deal with that word in the context in which it is used, we're talking about those that were socially outcasts and those that had no access to the temple. Because lock into this, to go to church, you had to meet certain criteria. The poor in that day and age could be the Samaritans. The poor could be the Gentiles. They didn't have access. Are you with me? Because you had to fit a certain mold and a certain bill, and you couldn't have done certain things. Matter of fact, you couldn't even be sick. And, and, and I'm stay, not saying that the poor does not include finances and include people that are homeless and include all of that, but it is bigger than that, and it includes all of that at the same time. You could be living next to a poor neighbor and don't even know it. Come on, say Amen. Okay, so when we talk about poor, it's about those that don't have access that we have an obligation to take the gospel to. Let me show you how simple this people that don't have access could be. Hey, man, do you go to church? Nah, man, that's a bunch of hypocritical people. Well, whoever makes that statement don't have access. That's why they're making the statement. Because had they had access, they'd known better. So we have an obligation to take the gospel outside the world, the, the walls of the church to those who don't have access, to those who, 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 who are, are less fortunate than we are. Sometimes in cases are better off than we are, but we have an obligation to provide access to everyone. Does that make sense? Come on, say, take it to the poor. To the poor. This is going to mess you up. Stop inviting them so much. It's going to mess you up. We're talking impact, right? Cheap evangelism is this. Come to church with me. That don't require much prayer. What requires anointing is to sit in Starbucks and share your faith with somebody else in a public forum. That takes anointing. Come on, y'all, or, or on a basketball court, or, or on the job, or come on, are you with me? Or, or in those places that doesn't look like church. Notice this. They gave him the book Isaiah, and he read it, and he's been doing it over and over and over prior to this absent anointing. But the moment he was about to go outside the walls of the synagogue, God has anointed me to start to break the norm. Is this making sense, guys? I'm trying to get you. Nothing wrong with saying this person was anointed in church. Nothing wrong with that. Please hear my heart. But I want us to be out in the public forum talking about, man, can you feel God? He's prompting me to go talk to this person. And when you say, can I feel him, you don't go like that. Because he's always talking. You can always hear him. Here's how my favorite harcer, Henry Blackaby, puts it. God is always at work in the world around him. Always doing something. Are you with me? Come on, say the poor number one. Say it again. Now go to the second one. Go to the next one real quick. We are anointed, I like this, to proclaim freedom to those who are in captivity. Now before I read that, I need to, to... put this caveat. This statement is for the religious people. All of this has something to do with salvation, but salvation is not guaranteed by you. The goal is always salvation, but salvation might not come through you. Very, very important. So because you sat with the person at Starbucks and share your faith and they don't give their heart to God, it doesn't mean that you didn't speak to them. Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5, I planted, Apollos watered, but it's what? God who gave what? You don't believe me, check your own salvative process, right? You got saved now, but how long and how many people prior to the person that God used to hit you shared their faith with you? How many sermons have you heard prior to you responding? Come on, is this making sense? Okay. So, yes, it's about bringing people to God, but sometimes we can't reach people because their condition is so bad that they can't hear a word we're saying. Okay. Secondly, announce freedom to those who are what? I don't even need to waste time with the word Um, captivity. The reason I want to use that word, put the word announce um, or proclaim, it's the same translation in some of your word, different Greek word, where the first word was to preach you, agalizo. The second word is the word caruso. And here's what caruso means. Make a proclamation. Go tell somebody. Okay? And here's what you're telling them. Something they don't know. So Jesus says, I've got to go make some announcements to people that abound, people that are in captivity, People who are in slavery conditions. People who are in bad marriages. People who are in messed up lifestyle. People that find themselves in captivity. And you can define that word captivity however you want to. But here's what he says. I've got to leave the church and go some places to tell people something. They need to hear this word so they can be released. Okay? Let me illustrate this way. Um, Abraham Lincoln. Let me see if I can get my history right. January 1st. 1863, signed the Emancipation Proclamation. I think I got that right. Major Gordon Granger, two and a half years later, went to Texas and made a proclamation. Let me tell you what this is. Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation saying, all slaves are free. Now, all the slaves up north and in the other region got the news, and they're free. So they're enjoying freedom, they're enjoying their land, they're enjoying all that stuff. The folk down in Texas didn't get the word. So even though they're free, they're still picking cotton and doing slavery stuff because nobody has announced it to them. So here's Granger. Two and a half years later, he doesn't invite the folk from Texas to come up north to hear the news. <laughs> he took, he took, hey, hey, y'all. Did y'all know that you're free? And they wait. wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. I've been living in this house with this person and I'm set free. I've been caught slavery and bondage by this crack addiction, and I've been set free? You mean I've been struggling with this thing for so long, and I've been, y'all not hearing me, and I've been set free? I've been caught in this bad relationship for so long and I've been set free. And when Grangers show up, we celebrate this every year and don't even know what we're celebrating. The folk in Texas marked it June, uh, come on, June 15th, and that's the beginning of this Juneteenth celebration. It's all about them getting the news, but it was two and a half years later than they were already set free. We've got people living in bondage that needs to hear the news and we have an obligation under anointing to go proclaim, to go proclaim. Quit inviting, folk. Go tell them. And the reason they're not coming to our churches, is, I'm not coming up north. I like the south. It's okay, like the south. But then when you find out you're free, something is going to happen on the inside that you can't possibly stay where you're at. Here's Jesus. So you want to know why, why? he went around doing good? And here's the striking thing about Jesus: is when he showed up. If you are gonna study his life for a little while, he'll see a cripple and he'll stop, and he'll say, "I'm anointed to do this. I'm waiting instruction. Hey God, what do you want me to do? Heal him? Okay, get up, take your bed, and walk. And person would get up. He didn't do it in and of himself. Anointed, set apart, he showed up, God spoke, and the action happened. Does this make sense? We have an obligation to go out, guys. Okay, come on, say the poor. Say the captives. Look at the next one. Go to the next one real quick. To open the eyes of who? Oh, man. It could be spiritual blindness. You guys are intelligent people. I don't need to to even go further than that. It could be physical blindness because God still does the miraculous. Come on. It could be perception, meaning that I always thought that was like that. But then a revelation of the Word of God. Are you with me? Oh, I didn't see it that way in my relationship. All right? Say it again. Say the poor, say the captives. Say the blind. blind. Go to the next one real quick, okay? Um, to release the who? Oh, man. That's a spooky word for me because that word has to do with deliverance. And, and, and unless I open a can of worms, the church is so afraid of the enemy not knowing who we are that we're refusing to deliver people from the things that had them bound, Okay. Now, I am not saying that Christians can be possessed by the Spirit, but I am saying you can be influenced or oppressed by, because it's all external, okay? And some folk, we've got to bring in and do literal deliverance services on them to get that thing released. Come on, y'all, talk to me, okay? So the church has a mandate For those believers that the enemy has a foothold on that don't realize all they need to do is tell them get off, because their eyes are blind that they don't know, we've got to take them through a process because they've been doing it for so long. It's become the cultural norm. We have an obligation to go. Are you with me? Come on, does that make sense? Say it again. Say the poor. poor. Say the captive. captive. Say, what's the other one, The the blind? And say what? The oppressed. Lastly, and then I'm done. Go to the last one real quick. I like this. And to announce the present and future aspect of the kingdom. Now, the reason I like that, because it's the reason we do what we do. And it's the reason we have the vision that we do. Look at the verse. Let me read it from the verse, and I'm going to stop. Okay? And then next week we're going to walk you through some examples of this. Verse 19. You got it there? To proclaim the year of our what? Lord's favor. One more time. To proclaim the year of the Lord's who? Favor. And then jump down to verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he begins to say to them, I like this. Today, 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 the scripture has been fulfilled in your what? The year of the Lord's favor. Let me just give you the succinct version. Y'all ever heard the year of Jubilee? Yeah. Here's what Jubilee is in the Old Testament. Every 50 years, if you were a slave, you were set free. Every 50 years, if you had a loan, you were considered debt free. Every 50 years, if your property were on consignment to get money to work your farms, you were released from that thing, okay? Okay. So the year of Jubilee then became a metaphor for the end times when Christ returns for his earth. Okay, meaning that there's going to come a point in time where we won't have to deal with debt, we won't have to deal with bills, we won't have to deal with sickness, we won't have to deal with all the things that plague us in the earth realm. So, kind of a simile for that, God proclaimed this thing called the year of jubilee, and every fifty years, the Jews, if you will, amongst themselves, they were supposed to do this. I'm not saying they did it, but they were supposed to, would get a little taste of what heaven was like on. Earth. Okay? So here's what Jesus says I am anointed so folk could know what heaven is like on earth. Lord, teach us to pray, Matthew. When you pray, pray like this Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As it is. Nice. There is a present and a future aspect of the kingdom. I want y'all to hear me carefully. I'm gonna stop with this. Yes, we're gonna die, and we're gonna to get to glory, and we're gonna have all that good stuff that scripture talks about. But the good news is because of anointing, we don't have to wait till then. I wish I had somebody. <laughs> So you wonder why this church has this crazy vision, right? To help people that are in need and to create jobs and to get folk debt-free and to do all the things that's on our vision path is because we have been anointed to announce the year of Jubilee. I wish I had somebody here right now and to let people experience the kingdom on earth. When you go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, here's what it says. And no one had need... Sharing their possessions and good, they gave to everyone. And the whole community was filled with awe. Man, that's impact. You mean your car was broken and you had a mechanic in your church that fixed it for free? Dang! You mean you were sick and you had a clinic in your church for folks that don't have medical insurance? Dang! You mean you needed food and they gave you money for your grocery bills? Dang! I thought that only happened in heaven. Well, that's what anointing does. I wish I had somebody in here. Anointing allows people to realize heaven on earth. You mean you've got a teenage daughter that got pregnant and the church didn't put her out? Well, that's what anointing does. We helped her mother the child and we taught her parenting skills. That's what anointing does. It impacts the community. So wherever Jesus did went, church folk Let me see how this anointing thing works. (laughs) And they carry their phylacteries with the law wrapped up in it. And whenever he did something, all right, he got us on that one. Then they follow him around, and it was a Sunday. Anointing is supposed to work on Sundays, right? At least that's what we're used to. They understood what anointing meant. Going somewhere, disciples got hungry, they picked some corn. Hey, we got you. Your boys did work on Sunday. They're not supposed to use that. Jesus says, this kind of anointing, you can use this seven days a week. Doesn't matter where you're at. There's no laws against it. Look at how the Satan has so, can I use the word screwed up? I just did. Um, see how he so screwed it up. Our anointing only works on Sundays and Monday through Saturday we have "nair." When that's when we should show it the most. This is going to sound so blasphemous. We can do this without anointing. We can't do that. I kid you not, I had such a good time yesterday. I watched Babyface's organist turn it up and I watched his drummer turn it up and I watched the bass player turn it up and I kid you not, ask anybody who went to the jazz festival, I watched uh, what Babyface shout on the platform. He did. And he was doing his thing and the audience were doing it. Was that anointing? That was gift. I can use gift anywhere. But anointing? I got to stand still and wait for divine instruction. I wish I had somebody in here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For God, what do you want me to do? Church, put the big impact thing back up there, wherever you guys are. We are going to have impact. Here is how, and I'm challenging myself. This is not just you. Sitting in Starbucks this morning... The Lord said to me, "All right, challenge question. Who are you going to take the gospel to this week?" That was me. I'm like, "Dang, God! Can't wait till after the message, you know." (laughs) So I'm processing, and my divine instruction says, "Share the same challenge with my congregation, right? However that means, be it poor, be it um, captive, be it oppressed, be it blind." Tell somebody in that category about what God has done. Now, it could be as subtle and as simple as, hey man, I just want you to know God loves you and going about your business. It could be as simple as somebody's going through something on the job. Hey man, just want to let you know I'll be praying for you. Leave you alone. You kind of get what I'm saying? Don't get all spiritual going out and buy this huge Bible. God told me to give you this. No, no, okay? Let your light so shine before people that they may see your what? Good works and glorify your Father who are, yeah. So impact is just you being Christ flowing in the anointing, wait for the instruction. And God's going to tell you who, when, where. Just walk around with the antennas up. Tune into the right radio frequency, I'm guaranteeing you he's gonna speak. The challenge is not gonna be him talking, it's gonna be your obedience. Because you're gonna be shocked to hear where he's gonna speak, where you're at. <laughs> We're cool with church, but man at home, on the playground, in the gym, on the job, he's not supposed to talk there. He anointed you for that. Come on, Tony, I'm done. Bow your heads with me.